Dr. Megan Moini is a board-certified internal medicine physician, pediatrician, and obesity medicine specialist. She completed her medical education at Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine and her internal medicine and pediatrics training at University Hospital's Case Medical Center and Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital. In 2020, Dr. Moini opened Cleveland's first direct primary care practice called Emerald Direct Primary Care. Dr. Mawini, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. I, again, love always hearing people's stories uh, about how um, they've integrated or worked their way through medicine in different ways. Um, So the way I start the podcast off is if you had to shout from the rooftops, one thing you want everybody in healthcare to hear about leadership, culture, or just medicine in general, what would that be? So hard to choose one thing, but I think I want to let people know that physicians have a lot of power in medicine and we need to take back that power and we can make medicine be what works best for us. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean you're limited in a certain, like you need to work in a hospital system. You have so many options and there are people that are out there that are willing to help you find what career works for you. Yeah, I love that. I think this is the the theme that I'm seeing recently with the people that I've spoken to is this feeling of feeling stuck, right? This being stuck feeling like there aren't any options available. So you're doing direct primary care. You opened the first practice in Cleveland. So tell me how you found that opportunity and what attracted you to it. Yeah, so I... When I finished residency, I practiced at a family medicine practice in Colorado for a few years. And it was pretty old school. Like you had your set number of patients, you had autonomy and flexibility in your scheduling. Then I moved back to Cleveland because we missed it. And so we're, we came back and there's really which hospital system are you going to work for? Mm-hmm. So I joined one here and immediately was shocked by how terrible it was. And I had no autonomy in my scheduling it was basically like I was a triage for like thousands of patients in Cleveland. And this was just not how I envisioned primary care to be. So I just immediately knew I could not sustain a career like this. And so I had learned about this direct primary care movement and it was growing in the rest of the country, but no one was doing it in Cleveland. And it is scary to be the first to do something, but when it's working in the rest of the country, I just decided it was actually 2020, the pandemic had just started. And I told my husband, I was like, I came home one day and I was like, we're, I'm done and I'm starting my own direct primary care practice. And fortunately he was like, cool, let's, let's do it. So um, the great thing about direct primary care is that the community of doctors who've kind of grown the movement are very supportive. And we basically, through a Facebook group, I learned everything I needed to start my practice and people from all over the country who I had not met would jump on a phone call with me, walk me through something, tell me how to set up like a contract with a lab and like all the little details of starting a practice that seem overwhelming. So that's it. They made it so easy for me. It's still scary and it's still a risk, but it totally can be done. Yeah. I'm going to take it back to uh, when you were actually practicing hospital based medicine. What were the factors at play there that made it really frustrating for you in your in your care, in giving care to patients? I think the hardest thing is lack of autonomy in saying, you know, this 90-year-old patient needs more than 20 minutes of my time. By the time he gets back from the waiting room, the 20 minutes is over. So having the time to say, hey, I know this person and they need a little bit more time or, you know what, they really need to come back next week for a, a follow-up because I'm worried. And I couldn't do that. And so 
after a few patients called and they were like, well, I, I told them I really need to see you. And they told me I could see you in four months. I was like, this is just not how it's supposed to be. And so I wasn't helping anyone. I just felt like I couldn't really make an impact. Like I, you know, the whole reason I went into medicine was to help individual people. And I felt like I was touching a lot of different people, but not really focusing in on any one thing and making a sustained impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen that. Uh, the, the common thread I see is that we have like this, um, this hunger to actually serve a purpose and helping people get well. And we don't have the option to serve them in the way or the capacity that we feel we have the, that we could. Um, I've had similar thread when I was in working in cardiology, just not feeling like I could help people to the way I saw their potential to be. So, um, so feeling that way, understanding um, the alignment of where you wanted to practice and what you wanted to do. How did you find direct primary care? Honestly, when I uh, talked to Josh, who introduced me to you, <laughs> I had no idea direct primary care was even a thing. Yeah. So how did you find it? I think, well, I'm in a few physician groups, literally on Facebook, mm -hmm. and people kept saying when people would mention, I'm burnt out, I need to get out of medicine, I want an alternate career path. Everyone said, do direct primary care, look into direct primary care. And so I just found that community of people and learned from them. And it yeah. seemed like the answer. Yeah, So that's amazing. Um, so tell me about switching to direct primary care for you personally. What has that done for your life? It's been the best thing ever. And, you know, with having any small business, there is a little bit of a roller coaster of today is awesome and everything is going great. And another time, oh, I have to figure this out. I never had to do this before, mm -hmm. but it has been great for me and my family. I can, if something's going on in my kid's school, I can block my own schedule and go. I can see patients differently. So this morning I had a house call with a newborn baby they don't have to come into the office. I can just pop by their house and see them in their normal, comfortable environment. So just the way I can work with people and get to know people is so much different than it was in my prior practice. Yeah. Do you know a lot of people in DPC that do house calls? That's something unusual that I haven't heard a lot about either. I think most direct care doctors do house okay. calls. That's amazing. What else uh, is integrated within that practice that is different than traditional medicine? Well, I think with COVID, a lot more people got into telemedicine and phone visits and doing this kind of patient care. But before that, it didn't really exist because there's not reimbursement for it through traditional insurance. So we continue to do that. And I don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter to me if the insurance wants me to like, wants to pay me for a visit because I don't need, I'm not billing the insurance. So I do a lot of phone visits and I feel like it helps me be more in touch with people people text me. So I love it. People text me pictures of their rashes. They don't have to drive down to the office, come in for something I can see in two seconds and know what it is. So it really like the flexibility of care is so nice. Yeah. And then when you're uh, managing your patient load, so you've already identified that better work-life balance, it seems for you. Um, so then tell me about how you've taken care of patients differently. So what's that look like other than house calls and things you just mentioned, mm -hmm. um, the continuity of care, what's that look like? Well, it's just I my patients see me unless I'm out of town and then they'll see my nurse practitioner that I work with, but they always see me. And so I'm I can spend as much time as I need. My secretary knows them, so she'll know, okay, this lady's gonna need a little bit more time, so I blocked it on your schedule, or can you just call her and she seems really worried. And because we know everyone, like it's very personalized to what each person needs. And I have the time built into my schedule. If someone's sick or there's something urgent, I, 
they come in. I'm not saying, okay, come back in three weeks, three months, you know? Yeah. So, excuse me. So better continuity of care. Like, you know, you have a deeper relationship with your patients. You can follow up with them more frequently and yet you're dictating that care. So uh, again, kind of around this theme of feeling stuck, what other contributions are you um, working towards now to help other people uh, that might be in the same spot you were in as far as feeling stuck or not practicing medicine in the way that they ideally thought they would? What other things are you finding that are meaningful to you um, in maybe the ways of mentorship or teaching that you're doing? Yeah. I, so I host medical students and residents that are interested in primary care, mainly to show them primary care doesn't have to be terrible. It can be great. And I also, any doctor that's interested in direct care, I'm very open, like come see me, come see my office. I'll share whatever I'm doing with you. I think if we all support each other, we, there's not really, it's not a competition. We're all like lifting each other up. So that's been something I'm really passionate about as more and more direct care practices are developing in the era, which is great that we all are on the same page of being like supportive of each other and, and creating that culture. Yeah. So I think one of the things that keeps people from opening their own practices or thinking about maybe the business side of medicine in a different way is this fear of getting into business or doing something different. How did you navigate that? Because that is a big barrier for a lot of people. And I've heard this, I was actually just talking to um, a physician yesterday and he said, a lot of physicians don't want to do the business of medicine. They just want to take care of people. And and I would agree with that. Just the, with the even healthcare providers across the, the board, it is we want to practice medicine and thinking about business is a huge hurdle. It's a heavy lift for most people. So fear, how did you navigate that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it is definitely scary. And I think in my med school or just all throughout training, I just remember hearing this refrain like, you don't want to deal with the business. It's it's too hard. Like, it's just let someone else do that. You just do the medicine stuff because you can do that. Oof. And then at, at some point, it's like, you know what? If I can go to medical school, if I can learn how to do a lumbar puncture and a newborn baby or manage somebody with 20 medications, I think I can figure out how to find an accountant and like set up a practice and find a, a space. So that's one thing I want everyone to know. It's not that hard. Like you've done much harder things. It's not always a breeze. There's, you know, definitely things come up. It's not a walk in the park, but you can figure everything out. And so I I love that you highlighted that limiting belief because I do feel like that is a, again, a barrier. People will just put up this barrier when they, you know, it's hard, it's challenging or like, it's not something I've ever done before. You've done harder. You've gone to like 12 years of medical school or more. Right you know, like throughout the the training and everything. But I'm like, you are so smart. You have so much capability of like navigating these challenging waters that you just feel are different. Right. So I love that you highlighted that. And one thing, it's not like if you're not doing the business, it's not like you're out of it. You still have to deal with all the Mm -hmm. repercussions from whatever comes down from your administrators Mm -hmm. that are doing the business. So when you take ownership of it, you have control over what is my overhead? Like, what am I making all this money to pay? You mm-hmm. get to decide what is important to you. And, yeah. and that really gives you back the power. Yeah. How has that felt for you? So good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, yeah. And I like being mm-hmm. like a good boss. So I mm-hmm. like having people that I'm going to mm-hmm. like take care of as employees and create a good culture where people are cared for. And 
you're not worked to the bone of like squeezing in as many patients and work as you can possibly do. So that's one thing I didn't know I would like about mm-hmm. being a small business owner, but it's been really cool yeah. to fill that role. So you're responsible for the culture. So it really requires you to be a leader that everybody, you know, in your organization wants to follow. Right. Um, so what have you, how, how have you grown? Let's, let's, let me ask you that question. How do you think you've grown since you started your own business? I think I, I think it's entrepreneurship is such a personal journey more than like, yes, you're doing the business stuff, but I had to become more comfortable like talking about myself and networking and like letting other people know what I'm doing. Otherwise, if I just go open up an office somewhere, no one's going to flock to you. You have to let people know what you're doing, why it's different and talking with doctors and other leaders to say, hey, there's this new thing that's an option and being that educator that brings awareness. Mm-hmm. Has it been challenging to find patience? Because I think that could be another thing. If you're having to market yourself, essentially a network to find business, that's a different thing, again, that can be a little bit shaky for people to uh, dive into. How has that process been? It definitely, that's the scariest part when you don't have, like I wasn't at the Cleveland Clinic that long when I left. And so I realized quickly that I was going to have to basically start from zero. I didn't have this flock of patients that were like hunting me down to find me. So, but you just start slowly and you like do a really good job with each patient you see and you let them know, Hey, tell your friends. And you start getting so many word of mouth referrals that it, then it just, it builds and builds. And so it's definitely not, you have to work for it in the beginning, but it gets easier with time if you're doing a really good job and and doing what's right for people. Yeah, yeah. So there's that part of it, like the word of mouth from patients Mm -hmm. because you're already naturally gonna do a really great job. And then have you done any other networking events or um, anything for your particular growth that's helped you? I I try to be vocal with the physician community in Cleveland, just letting them know what I'm doing. I have quite a few patients that are doctors or family members of doctors, so that helps. Um, But just like, letting people know and I'm in the Beachwood Chamber of Commerce, what's going on and just letting people know I'm there if they need help. Yeah. Is it, does it make sense? So I'm just curious about this because again, DPC is something relatively new to me, but would it make sense for somebody to have like a different physician along with you or is it like you take care of everything primary care related or if somebody's just looking for something different that traditional primary care couldn't give, they would come to you? I would be their primary care. Okay. So basically if we uncovered a problem that needed a specialist, then I would refer them. Mm-hmm. But for any routine, like well preventative care, mm-hmm. but then like acute visits that come up, we handle mm-hmm. most of that. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. What else have you found has been a huge support for you along this journey, along this path? I think it's the rest of the direct care doctors in the country, across the country that mm-hmm. we all have kind of similar struggles and successes yeah. and difficulties, but knowing that other people are going through the same thing yeah. really helps you, you know, feel comfortable in like, I'm going to figure this out. Other people have figured this out mm-hmm. and having that community to go like ask questions of if I need something. Cause it, other, most doctors here have, have not heard of direct primary care if I haven't reached them yet mm-hmm. or just don't know when they're like in a totally different day-to-day stress yeah. and being a small practice owner. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I looked, there are less than 10 practices in Northeast Ohio for mm-hmm. DPC, yep. like maybe even significantly less than that, but <laughs> yes. yeah, it's not very widely known. Is it larger? Is I guess there's a larger population of DPC clinics in other areas of the country. Yeah. And mm-hmm. actually in rural areas, it grows really quickly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, there's just a shortage of 
doctors, especially primary care across the country. So mm-hmm. people even in really tiny towns are very successful. So mm-hmm. here it's almost like there's so many big health systems, like there's the ratio of like just healthcare providers to people here is insane, but there are more options, but luckily people get really frustrated with those options. And so they call me. So, yeah, yeah. I was just curious, the breakdown of that. Uh, and it's, it's very interesting to me to hear it's in rural areas. And I know that that's, um, there's a huge concern, obviously, with the amount of primary care physicians we're going to be losing in the next several years, like retirement, and then the lack of people going into primary care as a whole. Um, that is super interesting with the rural area. Why do you think that is? I think it has to do with just the availability. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people. And then I think the more and more and health insurance becomes very expensive and people are realizing I don't actually get that much mm-hmm. with my health insurance. Like I'm not getting actual care. Mm-hmm. Whereas people can come to see a direct primary care doctor and for what most people pay for like a cell phone or gym membership in a month, they can have, you know, visits whenever they need it. Call me, text me that picture of their rash, house calls when needed. So people who value their health, really, it's not a big investment to them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things, I guess, like in the your practice, are you focusing on different health modalities that are different? So as far as like diet, exercise, really habit, behavior change kind of things? Yeah. I, now I can spend a lot more time talking about that. So I see mm-hmm. people who maybe their blood pressure is a little bit high. Mm-hmm. I'm, now I have the time to say, okay, what what's going on? Okay. What can we change? And there's so many people that we just tweak their lifestyle and they come back and it's fine. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. well, if they were in my old practice, I probably the easiest best or fastest thing to do is to put them on a medicine. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're fine now. You don't come back. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a huge frustration point for me. So I'm like, if we just spend enough time with our patients and adequately educate them, they can right. do so much and it's believing in them really, honestly. Right. So, and, but the system's just not set up to do that. Like mm-hmm. you actually make more money if you prescribe a medication in a visit mm-hmm. than if I spend 10 minutes talking about something and I don't have an extra 10 minutes. So mm-hmm. no, that's what I love now is I do a lot of like weight management and I, I have a huge pet peeve with a lot of people in the system who have this checkbox where they need to let people know that they have obesity because their BMI is high and people say it on the way out the door. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful for someone to hear. Oh, yeah, I'm already aware that I have obesity. Thanks for pointing that out with right. zero suggestions on how to make that better. So right. yeah. I can spend time like talking about what got them there, mm-hmm. what's going on and make like meet really frequently and make tiny habit changes that build over time. So it's just totally different than, you know, how it could ever be in the system. Yeah. And you can celebrate their successes and wins with them along the Mm -hmm. way instead of it just being like a, this is what you have. I can't help you. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I I now have the means to help you. (laughs) I have the time. I have the means. I am accessible. Come to me. I can help you. Right. That's awesome. All right. So uh, final thoughts or questions on um, if, you know, you're speaking to providers who feel stuck in a hospital system where they don't feel like they have autonomy, what's your advice to them? I would say look around you at who's doing what you might like to do or you'd like to learn more about and reach out to them. Like anyone who has questions about direct primary care can contact me. I'm easy to find. I'm happy to help you. And so I think looking for other things that you thought might not be an option, talking to people who are doing it, you'll get a sense of it. It's that if that's for you, if that's mm-hmm. too much of a too much you want to take on, maybe join a practice that's already in existence. Yeah. So you have options. Yeah. 
you can do it. It's not that hard. Yeah. I promise if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. I love that. Such great final thoughts of reaching out, getting somebody's opinion. And I think sometimes when we process things out loud, it doesn't seem as scary <laughs> because you right. have somebody that's advocating for you on the other side of it, right? They've right. been there or they have other alternatives or options that you never would have thought of. So yeah. thank you so much for your insight and talking about direct primary care with us. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us at The Leadership Pulse.